everyone. Welcome back to As I Am. This is your host, Audrey, along with Annarellis and Aaliyah. We are so excited that you're joining us um, again today. Today's topic, we're going to get right into it because it's one of those topics that it's more so on the heavy side. And I just want to preface this podcast, um, letting you all know. And we're going to be speaking about gender-based violence, specifically in Latin America, where it's more prevalent and you know, I want to, as a person, make sure that I'm always aware of what's going on, not just in my life, but in other people's lives. I think that as Christians, we are also called to be compassionate, to have empathy, and we can't do that unless we are aware of what is going on. Yeah, that was nicely put. I do agree with that because I feel like a lot of times we want to love our neighbor, but we don't really know how to love them. We don't know what they need from us. And Hopefully in doing this, we can, you know, shed some light to some things that we may not be informed about. I know a lot of us don't even watch international news, myself included, but I think it's important that I start to do so because there's a lot of things that happen that I'm just really not aware of. And this one was kind of one of them. Yeah. And so the objective, at least for me, is to start a conversation, to encourage everyone who listens to start a conversation to be intentional about seeking out, you know, information about other countries. I feel like it's important for us to be informed and it's important for us to start a conversation so that these issues, instead of becoming bigger, would be- become less. And hopefully through us speaking about it, we can make some kind of change. So, yeah. Yeah, so I first want to say that I believe it was exactly two weeks ago we became aware of a case in Puerto Rico where a woman named Keishla um, Keishla Rodriguez Ortiz was uh, murdered by what is believed to be or well he's in he's in jail she was in a relationship with him for 11 years he allegedly stepped out of that relationship got married so that was basically how they knew each other and she was pregnant with his baby and um they were supposed to meet up he arranged a meetup of some sort and yeah that's when um she was hit in the jaw she went unconscious then she was drugged and then they threw her body over the bridge a bridge and later shot at her body once it was in the lagoon but that's just a little um summary and i don't want to be too explicit or anything like that but that is what happened and that is how we became aware of not this issue but i feel like my eyes were really opened and i know it sounds kind of bad because gender-based violence has been happening in latin america for so long but you know this is the case that was like wow this is truly ridiculous and yeah those are my thoughts on that yeah i feel like with this case like many other cases it doesn't even have to be about um, gender-based, you know, violence. I feel like with violence in general, I feel like I am very um, numb at first. It's kind of hard to believe that people can be so evil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was my feeling. And then also, I feel like I was just desensitized. It's so easy to be desensitized. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but you know what I mean. I feel like the news, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go on a rant about the news, but I feel like when I watch the news, because, you know, I was watching the news about this, but 
I think that for me, the news kind of normalizes these horrible things that happen. And I don't think it's their objective, but I feel like that's what happens to me. And I don't want to be desensitized. I don't want to normalize horrible things that happen in the world. I want to be um, encouraged to make, make something different, to change something. But I just feel like the news, when I watch it every single time, it's like, yeah well you know i expect somebody to get murdered like yeah what else Uh, what's the weather like yeah it's like how can we just watch that like somebody just got murdered in your city and just go back to scrolling on your phone that's literally what it is it's ridiculous but yeah having said that i yeah i'm working on just changing that changing that not being desensitized and this was again like an eye-opening thing for me i mean I, we are, my family is from Puerto Rico. And so I, I try to keep up with international news. Mostly I'm made aware of it because of my mom, but this is, it hits, you know, home and also just Latin America in general. Like we are, um, Latinas, we are Hispanic women. And so that does hit home. Like the fact that machismo exists and is so prevalent. And by the way, like gender-based violence is going off of the roof in Latin America, it's like, that is crazy. And we have to like wonder why, why in Latin America in comparison to other countries in comparison to the United States, what is really the difference? I think that when it comes to the way culturally that we are brought up, uh, men in particular, and I'm not gonna blame this all, you know, on men, but there is a, a level of responsibility that we have to assume in order to change what we are seeing. But machismo plays a very big part in how Latin men are raised. And basically, if you are unaware with the term machismo or what it means, I will try my best. I didn't Google this, so you know, bear with me. But it's just machismo is like hyper masculinity. It's like uh, this notion that men are superior, this notion that men um, just are manly men, they don't cry, they don't do this or the other. So that, in short, is what machismo is. And so when we look at machismo, we really see how men, they're brought up to, again, be a certain way. And I acknowledge that it's hard to kind of undo that cultural um, upbringing but there's also a level of responsibility. And while me personally, because I was trying to look at causes like, why is this happening? Why in Puerto Rico is one woman murdered every seven days? And mind you, in I believe it was 2003, it was only one woman every 15.2 days. And so when I think of, well, dang, this is a more progressive, supposedly, this is supposed to be a more progressive society where, you know, people are accepted, where you know, equality for women, we're, we're behind that. So why is it that the statistics are now worse? Um, when I was thinking that, it was hard to come up with one definite answer. First of all, spiritual warfare. It's like, we've got to pray if you're unaware with that. I am a Christian, got to say that boldly. And I believe that unfortunately the devil is at work. This is a fallen world and we need to really pray. But aside from that, well, I'm going to keep going on that because mm-hmm. that's literally the number one. Like, yeah, we have machismo. We have all these different things that we're going to get into a little bit later. But honestly, the enemy, that's number one. He, the Bible says he is out here um, to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's literally what he's doing. And 
you know, you may be listening to this and you're probably not, you know, religious or spiritual, whatever you like to consider yourself, but the enemy is at work and he knows that his days are numbered. That's why it's getting worse. We are a more progressive, in my opinion, you know, society, women work um, or are encouraged to work in some countries because in some countries, you know, they're still a little behind. But for the most part in the United States, um, that's what it is. But I feel like because his days, the enemy's days are shortened, we are seeing so much violence, so much, you know, uh, gender based violence, so much racism, so much everything like mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's important to uh realize and notice how there's always been an attack towards women from the beginning the enemy has attacked women from the beginning of time we you see that in the bible you see that in society so i feel like it's really important for us to take note of that and to come against the attack of the enemy towards women specifically you know audrey mentioned how um, the rate of women being killed has increased since since 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Puerto Rico. Every yeah. Puerto Rico. Year. It's crazy. Yes. And to, to see that is to realize that there is a specific attack towards women. So I think it's important for us to pray and to intercede and to come against that attack specifically, for sure. Yeah. And so that's actually a good point because I was, we don't, actually think about that when we think about attacks of the enemy we just generalize there's actually attacks of the enemy for every like um how do i say it like every ethnicity yeah Yeah. i was like literally listening to a sermon that was saying that i never thought about it that way but it's true and we really need to keep that in mind and really speak when we pray we need to be specific about it Mm -hmm. so so yeah i just truly believe that these attacks are demonic against everyone and so we need to be again specific in prayer there's specific attacks that come against you know the black community we see that in society it's a repetition ever since you know the beginning of slavery and even before then because that mentality have to has you know that was concocted way before slavery began and so it's specific attacks we need to come against these specific attacks but i want to touch back a little bit on machismo because i was trying to you know again come to terms with why are the rates increasing now in what seems to be a progressive society like i don't understand and so i don't know i was just thinking as a sociology person about again machismo but then i read an article because i was also thinking this too but i don't think machismo completely explains you know gender-based based violence i think that machismo uh to an extent can normalize aggressiveness for men because men can be socialized through media through culture whatever they see in their family to be um you know more manly aggressive but being a man means different things to different people mm-hmm. so being a man to to one man might be you know being vulnerable while being a man to another might be you know not crying so machismo and being quote unquote a man means different things to different people so machismo it can be subjective, which means that we shouldn't, you know, throw it out there to generalize every situation. Um, in my opinion, I don't think that machismo can be subject subjective. The definition of machismo is hyper masculinity. Well, so it's like when we look at what ma- exaggerated masculinity. When we look at what masculinity means in society, I'm not talking about what it means to you. I'm talking about what it means in society. 
is to have the power, to be the, the one in control, to be the superior one. That's what it means in society. That's why we see how it's so prevalent in these um, countries with these specific groups of people. And I asked you this question, um, I think like two days ago, like, why is it that machismo or femicides or whatever is seen to be so prevalent in these Latin countries when masculinity, this hyper-masculinity is fed to every man? Well, first I want to say, I'll rephrase and just say being a man. Being a man means different things to different people. It does. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that Again, got to throw in my sociology in there. I think that specifically for Latin men, this comes from a sense of inferiority that comes from society, ethnic inferiority, because of what we are fed, what we grow up with, that, you know, white is the bigger race. So with that comes inequality, lack of resources, um, less job opportunities, so the only thing in a way that they have to grasp onto is this sense of masculinity, the sense of I am the head of household, mm-hmm. I am this. And I've I've heard this before, you know, usually I'm not, again, I don't want to like generalize with men, but usually when a man doesn't feel in control of, of certain things, you know, maybe they're having a hard time in their job, maybe they're having a hard time, you know, in any other area of their life, if they can control like the woman, mm-hmm they will because they they're not in control in so many other areas and i i heard this from someone i i swear I by did. the way just gotta add this in there we're not talking about every man so don't come in here trying to be all i know we're talking we about you. my cheese stars, okay you, thank you the lord created you and we love you amen but you know when they feel out of control in other areas of their life they will control that area of their life because they know they can that's the Mm -hmm. thing they know that they can yeah and like i said specifically for latin men this can be what feels like the only thing that they have in society Mm -hmm. not to mention also got a reference you know a podcast that we had with our brother cedric dale horde he spoke about how you know mental illnesses and you know things like depression and anxiety can show up differently in men so aggressiveness can be a way in which they're expressing their overwhelming sense of anxiety or mm-hmm. depression, things that they socially are not expected to speak about or seek yeah. help um, about. So aggressiveness, violence, and I'm not trying to excuse the unexcusable, but these are things that can be shown and are symptoms of a much larger issue, mm-hmm. which could be mental illness, depression, anxiety. And it's crazy that it shows up in that way because, like you said, they're not allowed to express it in any other way. Yeah. So I feel like if society, if society, I was gonna say society, sorry, if society encouraged, you know, men to speak out when feeling depressed, when feeling anxious, and all that stuff, how different would our world look? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and I want to stick in this topic. I know we're going to get into like how machismo is not really like the whole, you know, problem. But I do want to speak on a little bit of what does machismo even look like? You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. obviously talked about like um, them trying to have control over the woman and seeing them as inferior and stuff. But just in a, in a household, how have we seen machismo play out? Even in our, you know, life, our experiences with our household or our experiences with other people, um, our interactions. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that myself because um, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. And I was thinking about how I do have a friend in my job who 
um, always talks to me about how her husband is, is so in control of her finances. You know, she's afraid of making any type of purchase or she's afraid of her husband, you know, noticing that she has made a purchase with her credit card or her card, you know, because she's afraid of his reaction. And I kept thinking about that. And it's weird because when she first came to me with this issue, you know, I saw it as, oh, well, you know, that's the way it is. Like, I literally, in my mind, I was like, that's the way it is, like, when you're married. Like, you have to, like, I don't know, hide your purchases from your husband, like, if you make a really expensive purchase. And it's kind of sad that that's the way that I, like, interpreted it as, like, something that's normal. And then when we started having this conversation about, you know, what machismo actually looks like in our day-to-day -day life, in, in our homes, in our relationships, I realized that that is not, that's not normal. She shouldn't be afraid of how her husband is going to react, you know? Yeah, not to mention, I feel like sometimes uh, us women, sometimes, um, I don't want to necessarily say machismo, but we continue to perpetuate um, stereotypes that continue to, you know, have men be the strong manly man and I'm the inferior. Like I have to be submissive and I have to be mm -hmm. this or the other. And I don't say submissive. Well, in this context, I'm saying submissive in a negative way. Yeah, because obviously yeah, the, we know that the Bible that. like tells us to be submissive and stuff. We, to your we're not. Yeah, we're not talking like that. about that context in particular. I'm yeah. talking about inferiority, honey. Like I, <laughs> if I'm in a marriage, it's like my husband is good. Like we good. Period. Equality. It's like we're equals, and I submit to you. I submit to your guidance. Whatever. However, it's like I'm not going to think of myself as inferior i'm not gonna mm -hmm. walk as inferior i'm, I'm not, not gonna tiptoeing i'm not mm -hmm. even i'm mm -hmm. not gonna hold you to this um standard or whatever that you are above me that you you know can control me that you can control my ins and outs my ifs buts and whens you know i think the, yes people they need to stop com confusing submission with inferior inferiority yes mm -hmm. there you go like those are two completely different things i can sub submit yeah, I can submit to my husband. No yes. problem. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be inferior to my husband. Absolutely not. That's not what the Bible says. And so it is right. People do, um, women, not to blame. I feel like it. it's, it's coming from what they were taught. Mm -hmm. Like not, I don't want to blame people because everything is learned. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so women are taught to to serve they're taught to be the um the nurturing one to be the one that has to stay at home and cook and clean and basically yeah. the ones who you know in certain cases they are the ones that will sacrifice their their dreams and ambitions yeah. basically mm -hmm. pretty much mm -hmm. um and so not to blame women but it is a it's a two-way street to recovery not mm -hmm. because of who we are it's just because of what we were taught. Yeah, there's yeah. A lot of we're taught to just follow. Just just follow. Yeah, there's a lot of unlearning to be done. That's yeah. the only way and, to do it. And I'm so happy because it seems like this is the generation that is unlearning. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And mm -hmm. people can say, I always think this. Like, I'm always thinking about this. How people say so many negative things about this generation. But we are the generation that's literally speaking up for the things that you chose to deal with. Or the and things, tolerate. yeah, things that you tolerated, we're speaking against. You know what I mean? Like we are challenging. We are out here fighting, 
we are unlearning. And I think that's amazing to witness. And yeah, I feel like even to go back to machismo or whatever, even in our own family, like when my mom or my grandma tells me, you know, que se va a ser tu, tu esposo, que no puede, like because we don't know how to cook or whatever, even though I do. <laughs> I can whip up a sandwich, baby. Oof. I feel Delicious. like I do know how to cook. And even if I don't right now, when I do like really practice how to cook, I am going to be a good cook. The thing is, the thing what's is, wrong even, with you learning even, like when you're married? But the thing There's is, something. I don't even have to explain that. Like, why do I have to explain like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to do it later. Like, it's totally, yeah. like, honey, it's like I'm getting an education. <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, period. there's so many women that I've heard say, like, when did I learn cooking? When I got married. As I learned, like. Honey, if I haven't learned yet, I'm going to learn. But yeah, anyway, it's just like kind of like they're insinuating the fact that I'm going to be the only one cooking in my household. And I always respond, um, no, honey, we're both going to cook. We're both going to clean. That's just the way that it's going to be in my household because mm -hmm. we are doing a learning. We are That's unlearning. That's topic for another day. But yes, we can go deep into that. <laughs> but yeah, I just kind of want to go back to some of these cases, specifically in Mexico. Mexico and Colombia, places like that um, as well, skyrocketing in terms of gender-based violence. And, you know, aside from women and men, we all know that we have a, a part to play, but the people in positions of power, people, first of all, can I just, I'm going to talk a little bit about before Keishla came, Andrea Ruiz in, again, Puerto Rico. She sought to obtain a restriction order from her- Restraining. Yeah. <laughs> restraining order from her ex-partner twice okay twice by the courts and she was denied both of those times and then she was killed and so people in power we need to legitimize the the struggle legitimize the you know what's really going on like the, uh the huesa she Apparently, I don't know if there's any criteria, but apparently there was not enough evidence to grant her that restraining order. And honestly, in my opinion, I'm just like to hell with that, to be completely honest. Like evidence of what, honey? Yeah, I was reading. Um, I was reading about the fact that in some Latin countries, you have to get a medical examination to like obtain some type of rest restraining order because they need like evidence. And I feel like this point is so important because part of the reason why these femicides are so prevalent in these countries is because the legal system does not take women seriously. They don't respect women. They don't um, validate their experience. And that is truly one of the biggest issues. The fact that, that I don't know, they don't hold these men accountable for these crimes. Yeah. And in Mexico, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was. The governor i don't i need to clearly go into learn about politics <laughs> but um the person in power i don't know it was governor or president but he thought that some of these um things were fake like when women were you know coming out with their stories and things like that he thought that that was fake fake news and i just find it just so sad that women are just so discarded Mm-hmm. Not to mention when you find them, when their bodies are recovered, it's so horrific. Sides of the road, like roadkill. Mm -hmm. It's like who does that? So and it's crazy that people are shocked when these crimes take place. Um, when women are trying to 
ask for help way before they take place. You yeah. know, it's just crazy how society is shocked, but yet we call women liars when they speak up about sexual assault and sexual abuse and all this stuff. When they speak out, they're shamed for it. And and then we're surprised as a society. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like I don't want to stray too much from the topic, but that is a sensitive subject when it comes to some people. Like, obviously, we know in the African-American community, we know what happened with Emmett Till and things like that. Like, it's it can be a little bit challenging when it comes to certain communities. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you know, you know. But right. I think that women deserve the respect to at least be seen as just legitimate like what they're saying is legitimate like do what you have to do but don't deny a restraining order especially I saw no harm in that I don't believe that Andrea had a child with this man so it would not be harming the child there was there would be no harm done if that restraining order was granted Mm -hmm. and so I'm just appalled by the system that's supposed to protect you yeah um i don't want to i feel like i keep going back but anyway um back to that topic of machismo you did mention that you you don't think that's really like the root um we we shouldn't blame machismo or we shouldn't blame femicides on machismo like all the way through Mm -hmm. which i do agree to that because i feel like in doing that we are doing women a disservice um because I feel like in any moment, a man can just be like, I've, I've been taught this. I'm just acting the way that I've been taught. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how to behave any differently. And this can easily become an excuse. Like, I am just a product of a machismo culture. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, it was actually, it came to my attention when I was doing research um, about this case of a woman in Mexico. Her name was Rocio Manci- Mancilla. And she was killed by her husband after he had found out that she was um, involved in an affair. Still not justifiable for those people that are going to be like, she shouldn't have been doing that. Just want to let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he killed her literally like right after he found out that that news. And um, he literally received less than two years in jail because he pleaded violent emotion. Oh, and this Lord. is what I'm saying. It's like the fact that we're literally, we're blaming our our behavior on what we've been taught i feel like in my opinion we have a responsibility to unlearn the things that we've been taught to a certain extent some of the things obviously just like the things that cause us harm the things that are toxic and you know what they are i don't need to tell you that that uh viewing a woman as inferior is toxic you know that already yeah, and honestly, machista or not, what gives you the right to take someone else's life? Yeah. It's yeah. like, so I'm going to go and do something because I'm a machista. It's like, because I think of myself as higher. That gives me somehow the ability, the entitlement. It's like, you are mm. not entitled to anything. And I don't care what you try to wrap it around with, okay? It's like, that is just wrong. It's and the same as, as how people have tried to justify the death of Geishla. Yes. Because she was with a man who was married. Mind you, she 
knew this man and was in a relationship with him before he decided to get married. And she, her mother clearly said that she told him to forget about her, but he would constantly show up at her house before she would go out for work. His car would be there. He would be knocking on her door, asking her to open the door. So don't tell me that her death is, is justified by the fact that she was still, you know, engaging with him in some type of way, just because he was married. It's, death is not justified ever. Yeah, yeah and it's it's kind of funny how society kind of tells you which deaths are justified and which ones aren't. Yeah, I think that victim blaming only really is applied to people who die that are people of color and women. It's like you don't see people telling a white person, oh, well, you shouldn't have done this. It's like it's always minorities, quote unquote. And I just think that's completely disrespectful because that person is gone Mm-hmm. and that and person speak up for themselves that person mm-hmm. did not kill themselves like as as bad or however you try to frame it and spin it that person did not do that to themselves it was the other person and so i'm not going to speak over here about a person who is no longer here who's no longer here to defend themselves i just think that's just completely wrong yeah. it's very disrespectful and if that's the case then we need to address so many other issues of people who you know, do the same. Like, would you say that they they deserve to be dead? They deserve to die? No. So I just feel like it's it's really messed up. And that's something that really bothered me when seeing how this case was was playing out, how people were blaming her, you know, when she's not even here. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And also just quickly want to throw this out. I was reading a little bit about victim blaming. And I think there was a sociologist. She mentioned this theory that the reason why we victim blame is because we have this notion, we have this idea, and we try to convince ourselves that the world is fair, that what happens to us is a consequence of our actions, that, you know, what comes back to us, you know, we deserve. And honestly, some people grapple with the fact that bad things happen to good people. Some people don't deserve to die. No se lo buscaron. It was not their fault. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And she said it's mostly like, Americans that you know people who who believe in the American dream mm-hmm. that have a a hard time understanding that that the world isn't fair because wow, wow. because yes. you know it's you know it's their bubble and they're American mm-hmm. and they're patriotic and they're this and that honestly empathy step outside of your box the world is not fair it is not and mm-hmm. people don't always get what they deserve and she she didn't deserve that Yes, victim blaming is inherently wrong. And yeah, that was a good point. I feel like I need to go, you know, read up on that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if this podcast episode did anything for you, I just really hope that it encouraged you to go out there and do your research. Pray for these people that pray for women. Okay, pray for the families of those affected. Um, it's, It's been so many women in Puerto Rico already. And I really, I cannot imagine, you know, the pain that they must be, you know, feeling. Um, but please go out there, do your research, pray for these people. Um, and, you know, pay attention. Be empathetic. To, yeah, pay attention to international news so that you know, you know, to empathize, that you know what to sympathize with, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, I hope that this encourages you to start a conversation with somebody around you you know some people they don't know about this they don't know about what's going on Mm -hmm. it's easy to to not know it's really easy to not know it's harder to know and honestly please go tell your uncles to stand up and serve themselves 
But yes, guys, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, just know that there is more to come. Um, subscribe so that you are updated anytime that we upload a podcast. And I'm just very excited about uh, what's to come and staying in tune with you guys. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye.